0: Well, hey, we are um, right in the middle, I said, of our uh, series on stewardship we're calling Kingdom Stewards. And just to kind of review where we've been. We started this series two weeks ago with these three questions. And this is not only just directly speaking to stewarding our finances, but stewarding our time, our relationships, our spiritual gifts. I even think we may need to do one on stewarding our physical bodies. I think that would be pretty cool. But we started with these three questions, and if you have not been here, or even if you have, really think about how you would answer these. Because it's easy to assume an answer, but once you really start thinking about the question being asked, is your answer honest? So don't answer too quickly. But think about how honestly you would answer these questions. The first one is this. Do we love God because of what he gives us? Or do we love him regardless? Put it this way. If God never gave you another thing in your entire life, would you still love him as passionately as you do right now? Here's kind of a harder one for me. Do we trust God because of what we have or because of what he's promised? And the final one, are we owners of our gifts or stewards of his grace? Kind of the theme verse for this series comes from 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11 in the Passion Translation. It says, every believer, say every believer. every believer. Raise your hand if you're a believer. Hey, it's talking about you. It's talking about me. Every believer has received grace gifts, so use them to serve yourself because you are all that in a bag of chips. No. That is not what it says. Use them for what? To serve one another as faithful stewards of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. For example, if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you so that in everything, God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him belong the power and the glory forever throughout all ages, amen. And in verse 11 in the Greek, you can also translate that, the one who provides finances should do it with the strength of God who supplies all things. We are all called to be stewards of what we have received from our Father. A steward is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs, one who administers anything as the agent of another. So what we are stewarding, what we possess, doesn't really belong to us. Our gifts, our talents, our time, our resources, even our relationships, our spiritual gifts. Psalm 89 says, all the heavens and everything on earth belong to you, for you have created all that is seen and unseen. Here's the perspective, and this is wrecking me, is that nothing that I have is really mine. That everything that I have has been given to me to steward to serve what I have, I steward to serve others, to demonstrate the love of God. Amen?
1: So I had fun witnessing awesome stewardship yesterday. You guys like my outfit? Like my hat? <laughs> um, it was so fun yesterday to go downtown to the business district of New Philadelphia and to, do, to uh, um, support the sidewalk sale with my new fashionable hat and earrings that my sister-in-law made and still is selling and making more of. So you can uh, hit Danielle up. She made these to look like feathers. Aren't they cute? Oh, my goodness. So she's stewarding her gifts. And the sidewalk sale, uh, Rick Arredondo has these shirts. This is Welcome to Our City. And this is actually a photograph of um, the sign that is above one of the buildings downtown New Philadelphia that lights up every night. Isn't that cool? And, you know, I just, I was thinking, you know, I really love our town. And I really love where God has placed us. And I want that love to continue to grow. And I want to continue to see us as believers steward what he has put in our hands to multiply and to provide and to bless and to bring Jesus to this city. Amen? And so it's fun that our everyday ordinary lives like going and buying a cute hat at Alley Cat uh, Marketplace. Our everyday ordinary lives, we have the opportunity to be good stewards and to worship Jesus when we walk down the street and say hi to people. When we love on our families, this isn't just about finances, and we said that last week, and Rick Arredondo did an amazing job delivering a word on stewardship last week, and I just want to bless him, and I know that he doesn't want me to bring it up, but I just want to bless him. He was, he's the new leader of the business district downtown New Philadelphia, So he's a big part of what was happening yesterday. He's stewarding what God has placed him in, the position that God has given him. He's stewarding it well. And he asks for wisdom. I'm not trying to tout his horn, but I just, he's asking the Lord for wisdom on how to bring Jesus to the city and to bless business owners. Isn't that cool? Like kingdom perspective in the everyday ordinary, right? So fun. So go buy a hat. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, Travis just talked about that we are stewards, that what we have isn't ours, even to our physical bodies. We are his creation and what we have is his treasures. You are his treasure. Didn't Paul say that we have this treasure in jars of clay? You are his treasure. And I just wanted to share this verse that the Lord gave me this week. Because this stewarding what he has given us and this conversation takes us to a place where we kind of have to step back from our emotions. We have to step back from our motivations. We have to step back from our feelings and what's driving us and ask, Lord, what do you want in this situation? What does your word say? What is your heart for this purchase? What is your heart for this household? And I was reading Psalms 19, and you need to read the whole section. It's called God's Story in the Scriptures, and I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. But but David is talking about the Word of God and how powerful the Word of God is. And he didn't even have the New Testament yet. How cool is that? He recognized the power of the Word of God before the New Testament even existed. So let's read this. Verse 10 in chapter 19. The rarest treasures of life. Are found in his truth. That's why I prize God's word like others prize the finest gold. Nothing brings the soul such sweetness as seeking his living words. So I pray this morning, I don't think this is on the screen at all, but this was just something I felt Holy Spirit tell me to add in. I pray this morning you would hear the sweetness of his words to you. Oh, that's good. That we would take a step back and we would steward our minds. We would steward our thoughts. And we would hear the truth of the word of God and the sweetness in it. See, when we talked about giving to all things are possible, and we said, we said well, it, it's not in the budget, <laughs> but we believe that God wants us to do this, so we're going to say yes. The board kept upping the amount to $20,000. It was so exciting to sit with a board that has a vision to see the kingdom come here now. And when we, when we take a breath, and we stop, and we say, okay, God, I treasure your word. It is life to me. Tell me what you want me to do. When you want me to do it, I'm yours. Blessings flow. So we're going to look. Go ahead and get your Bibles turned to Matthew chapter 6. So if we take a step back from our desires, our emotions, our motivations, and we check our hearts, I'm going to just ask some basic life questions. Why are we buying what we are buying? Why are we saving what we are saving? Why are we giving what we are giving? How are we doing business? Do we remember that everything we do is a spiritual act of worship? Ha, that's so good. See, everything we do, the getting up, the laying down, the laundry, the dishes that never seem to end, it's the bane of my existence. How many of you love dishes? No. Okay, good. I'm not alone. But I've had to ask the Lord to help me let this be a spiritual act of worship for my family because it has to be done or else the house will stink, you know? And, and when I shift my attitude in the basic, Jesus comes. And there's, there's something that happens when I'm like, okay, I'm going to steward this. I'm going to do the dishes every single day. <laughs> I mean, I was letting them pile up. Don't ask Travis. Anyway, okay. So... <laughs> I know it sounds extreme, but truly, it is our reality that we live in, kingdom reality. We do not live in this world. We are not from this world. We live in it, like, physically, but we are spiritually not from this world, right? So our reality is kingdom reality. Our decisions affect one realm or the other. Think about that. Your decisions and how you steward your finances, how you steward your home, how you steward your family will affect the earthly realm or the heavenly realm. Will bring glory to God or bring glory to you or whatever, whatever. So it's really cool to think about. Okay, so I'm stewarding this life and I want to bring glory to God in everything that I do and everything that I say. I want to be obedient. But you don't have to be stressed out. This is, this is a cool, the cool part. You don't have to be stressed out about it. It's a good thing. So, I got to stick to my notes, guys. Is it crazy to think that stewarding how you do business is storing up treasures in heaven? Yeah. Did you hear that? Is it crazy to think that stewarding how you do business is storing up treasures in heaven? What about making a living that contributes to the economy of the city you live in? Do you think you're storing up treasures in heaven that way? Absolutely. You are storing up. She is like my girl today. She's like agreeing with everything I say. Yeah, Emily. Absolutely. You are storing up treasures in heaven because if your heart is on building his kingdom, you will bring heaven in whatever your hand finds to do. Come on. So if you're a principal at a school, bring heaven every single day. If you're a teacher, bring heaven every single day. If you are a plumber, bring heaven. And I'm praying for you because you are amazing and I could never do what you do. Bring heaven every single day. You get to walk into people's homes. And you get to impact a home with the presence of God. Right? Isn't that cool? A bus driver. Man. Yes. Bring heaven. A business owner. A mom a dad, a grandparent, bring heaven. You are stewarding heavenly treasures. And when we look at what we have, we look at who we are with a kingdom perspective. Like Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Let's check out Matthew 6, verse 19. and I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. I have it memorized in the NIV, so forgive me if I mess it up. Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. Hear this. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Mm. He goes on to say the eye. This is Jesus talking in the Sermon on the Mount. And he goes on to say the eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate And darkness takes its place. How profound will the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. And you can say this about money. You can say this about possessions. You can say this about relationships. You can say this about pretty much anything in our lives that if it steps in between you and Jesus, it becomes an idol in our lives because that's what it is. Is that if we're focused on that more than the Savior and more than his provision. I'm going to get to that in a minute. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. But if we're focused more on trying to figure things out or trying to satisfy something in ourselves and not letting Jesus be the one to do that. there'll be a cloud, that's what he says, over our eyes. I don't want to have cloudy vision. You know how you wake up with brain fog some mornings and you just can't get your brain in gear? And just imagine spiritually that's what's going on in our hearts. If anything steps in between us and Jesus and his heart for us. We're going to get practical with this. But I want to read a quote to you from The Blessed Life. Um, it's a book by Robert Morris. We've read it and done the study a couple times here at Lifeway. He says, God has delivered his goods to us. Not only does he entrust us with a measure of material wealth, but he gives us much more precious things as well. He has delivered treasures to us, prayer, the good news of salvation, and the power of, to help people. These are his precious goods he has delivered to us. And he expects us to use and distribute them. And the next quote is, Storing up treasures in heaven reflects our stewardship in how we handle our finances, our relationship with the Trinity, the good news, and generosity. Actually, that was me. That was not a quote. (laughs) I thought that was a quote. That was me. So storing up treasures in heaven reflects our stewardship in how we handle our finances. We're storing up treasures in heaven how we handle our finances. Isn't that cool? Like, God doesn't leave part of our life out. We're storing up treasures in heaven with everything that we do and everything that we have through the attitudes of our heart and through the relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's good news, and we have then the opportunity to store up treasures in heaven by delivering that good news. Just like Rick said last week, he gave us points. I loved his points. And two of the points that stood out for me is when you're walking through and trying to steward something God's way, trust him and then be obedient. Trust God to give you the wisdom. It's faith mixed with a good dose of wisdom. Then you move on it, okay? Trust God and he will give you what to do.
0: So how many of you have ever been reading in scripture, and you're reading something, and you're like, I really don't understand what that means. Oh, well, I'm just going to move on. How many of you have been there? I've been there. I actually find myself there frequently sometimes, and no, I have them. They're good. Luke 16 is one of those. I've heard this parable that Jesus tells multiple times, and it's, it's really good until it gets to the end, and I'm like, Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? Like, I don't understand the point you're trying to make. So I dug into it this week, and I studied it, and hopefully I can illuminate um, what, I, what I found. And uh, so I'm just gonna tell you, instead of read you, what, what this parable was about. Luke 16, the dishonest manager. So there is a, the master of the house And then there is a manager that he hired to steward all of his possessions, all of his finances, all of his employees under him. And a rumor begins to circulate within the business, within the household, that this manager has been mismanaging the master's finances. So the master calls the steward in calls the manager in and says, I hear you have not been trustworthy and you have not managed my finances well. So I want you to give me basically an audit of everything that you've done and everything that you've spent so that I can review for myself what you've done and oh, by the way, you're fired. So of course, the manager now thinks, oh no, what am I going to do? Because I can't make this right. I'm too proud to try to beg for my job back. I know that I've been found out. So what am I going to do? Light bulb. I know what I'm going to do. So he devises this plan. And if you don't really dig into this and kind of study this, a lot of this can be missed, which is why I didn't really understand what was happening. Um, The manager then begins to call All of these people that the master has loaned his money out to, and the manager would bring in someone, and he's like, hey, how much do you owe my master? The guy would say, $100,000. The manager would look at him and say, I tell you what, take it down to $80,000, or take it down to $50,000. And so they would cross out the amount owed and write in a lesser amount, because the manager is thinking, hmm, I know basically I'm out of everything, so how am I going to have any friends, any places to stay, anyone who will support me once I get fired? So he brings all these people in, he starts lowering their amounts that they owe the master. And of course, if you go in thinking, hey, I owe $100,000, and they're like, oh, it's your lucky day, you only owe 75. yay, right? That's a good day. That's what was happening. So all of these people this manager's bringing in, they're all becoming really big fans of this guy because he's lowering all of their amounts that they owe. Now what he was really doing, and this is what you miss, what he was actually doing is he was upcharging everyone what they owed because all of the interest that they, he would make off of what people owed would probably go more into his pocket than anywhere else. So he is basically just taking the money he would have made off of these payments out of the equation. And so the master then calls him back in. And it actually says that the master congratulates him for dealing so shrewdly with all of these people who owed him money. The master was like, hey, well done. Great job. You're still fired. But that was really impressive how you did that, how you developed this plan to basically feather your own nest once you would get fired. What in the world does that have to do with anything? Why would we be talking about that right now? The point of this illustration is that worldly people like this manager are often sharp enough to use their abilities to promote their own interest in welfare, even if by questionable and dishonest means. In contrast, Believers often are not heavenly-minded or urgent enough to use their earthly abilities and their possessions to promote his kingdom and the eternal and spiritual interest of ourselves and others. This manager, earthly people, they have no problem trying to scheme and trying to come up with how can I make my money work for me? How can I make my stuff work for me and give me a better life? But how often are we as urgent with what we have to say, how can I make what I have further his kingdom? Because often it's the other way around. And it's all about our security and our happiness. And how can I use what I have to get me into that place rather than how can I use what God has given me to promote his purposes? Not that we can earn heaven, we can't do that, but that heaven can become a reality for others because of how we steward what we have. I want to read you verses 9 through 13. Just listen to this. It is important that you use the wealth of this world to demonstrate your friendship with God by winning friends and blessing others, then... When this world fails and falls apart, your generosity will provide you with an eternal reward. The one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have, with the little they have been given, will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with eternal treasures of the spiritual world? And if you have not been proven faithful with what belongs to another, why should you be given wealth of your own? It is impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. Well, this sounds really familiar. Isn't this just what Leslie read? You will be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised and the other will have your loyal devotion It is no different with God and the wealth of this world. You must be enthusiastically in love with one and definitely, definitively reject the other. Look at verse nine. It is important to use the wealth of this world to demonstrate your friendship with God by winning friends and blessing others. We use the wealth of this world. We use the money we have. We use the possessions we have been given. What is the divine purpose? It is for blessing others, for winning friends, demonstrating the love of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do with what we've been given. It's interesting. God will use money to test our hearts. Money tests our stewardship and our trustworthiness because he said it right there. If you can't handle money Why would God ever entrust any greater spiritual and heavenly treasures to you if you can't even responsibly handle finance, financial wealth? If we can't be good stewards. See, money is a hard master. And it's very deceptive in what it promises. I've been here. I have been, I've lived in this place to where you think, what what are some of the lies the enemy tells you that you believe about money? Here's one, and this is one I believe. Hey, the more I have, the more I can give. God, bless me with more money so that I can give more money. And I've said it with the purest of heart, purest of motives. But the irony is, the more we have, the easier it is to become a slave to our wealth, our possessions, and our responsibilities. What happened to me was, You know, we made a little bit more money. We had a little bit more money in the bank, so the tighter I grabbed onto that and tried to hold on to it because I never wanted to go back to the place we were before. I never, ever wanted to go back there, and so I held on even tighter to the more that I had received. The more we have, the easier it is to become a slave. Leslie talked about the upside-down kingdom, kingdom wealth, Kingdom possessions. Here's the perspective on having much, right? The word much. Rick shared this verse last week. It was the theme verse for his message. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they have entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. You see, here's the difference. Is God your master, or is your money your master? Is your wealth, your possessions your master? If God is your master, Your perspective is, I've been given much to give much. Money is my master. I've earned much. And the more I earn, the happier I am. The more I earn, the more influential I become. The more I earn, the more friends I have. The more I earn, the more secure I feel. Everyone who has been given much, much is required. The more we have, the more we're called to give and bless others and to be a demonstration of the love of Jesus, not to hoard everything for ourselves because it makes us feel good. So here we go. I found this while studying, and um, this really hit me square in the eyes. How can you tell that you are a slave to money? Here we go. Five things. See if this really... um, Hits you the way it did me. Do you think or worry about it frequently? Do you give up doing what you should do or what you would like to do in order to make more money? Do you spend a great deal of your time caring for your possessions? Is it hard for you to give money away? Are you in substantial and unhealthy debt? So, are you a slave to your money and to your possessions? And I tell you what, I was reading through some of these questions and I was like, wow. I may not be doing as good as I think I am because it's, it's hard to answer some of those questions honestly. Who is my master? Who do I trust? If we can't be trusted in acquiring and possessing earthly wealth, no matter how much or little we have, why would God trust us with heavenly treasures? And listen to me. We live in Tuscarawas County. Most of us do. It's where we are right now. We've talked before many times about our poverty mentality, right? How that poverty mentality rules many of us. Don't allow your integrity to slip because what you have looks small in your own eyes. Oh, I don't have much, so what's it really matter if I give or not? I can't give that much anyways. I have too many bills to pay. I don't have enough left after I pay my bills to be generous. Listen, verse 10, right here it is. The one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. So if you only have a little bit, be generous with a little bit. Be responsible with a little bit. And God is going to promote Your stewardship of what little you have and give you even more and bless you with even more. This is what Robert Morris says. We will never see God's miraculous power given to poor stewards. Wow. We will never see God's miraculous power given to poor stewards. And that's just not financial stewardship. That's your time, your relationships, your spiritual gifts. God wants to bless us and longs to pour out heavenly treasures into our lives, do we trust his promises and steward what he's given with integrity and generosity?
1: Some of you may be feeling heavy right now. under the weight of maybe something that is just between you and God Travis and I made a decision a year ago after the conviction of the Holy Spirit to get out of debt as much as we possibly could and we made that decision trusting God and and being generous and um, this is this is practical. This isn't just uh, spiritual um, daily time with the Lord, but these are practical steps that we have to take and acknowledge where where those strongholds are in our life, where our trust lies, and how we walk this out. So I just want to. This isn't a part of my notes, but I just want to tell you we have amazing people in the body that are not in any way judging but are ready to help you steward. If you're in a situation of debt, Jesus wants to help you. He paid for your debt. He paid for your debt. And I'm talking about your spiritual debt. And he's going to give you wisdom to take care of the debt he didn't cause. Because we sometimes blame God for the situations we're in. God doesn't cause our debt. You know, we make choices. But Jesus is going to give you the wisdom to get out of that. He's going to give you the wisdom and the direction. And as you walk with him, he's going to continue to bless you in obedience. And I can say that Trav and I have paid off most of our debt. We have a house payment now. And that is amazing because we had over, I don't know, $30,000 in college loans. It was insane. And uh, he cares about this stuff. Okay, I want to tell you that. He cares about this stuff. That's why we're talking about stewardship. That's why we're talking about finances. That's why we're getting real. He cares that we're not under the weight of this world. And in America, it's buy more, have more, get more, always more, never satisfied, contentment doesn't exist, and literally, it's an easy trap to fall in. Even uh, shopping therapy, which is one of my favorite things, (laughs) you know, come on, somebody. Like, you know, we get into this trap that emotionally, we have to go shopping in order to get to feel better, right? Um, And I think Jesus, I think Jesus isn't against shopping, okay? (laughs) He's not against shopping, but where's our heart? Where's our heart? And he is not against you. He is for you this morning. And he's for you prospering. He's for your good. And I want to go back, let's jump back to Matthew 6, and we're going to go to verse 25, But the Lord has really been honing in on the fact that his provision is already out in front of us. So Travis and I made this decision, and and we said, Lord, we're going to do this. We're going to walk this out with with you. And every step of the way, His, his provision, I'm so excited to say it, preceded our decisions, preceded our obedience. And I'm telling you right now, if you ask the Holy Spirit to give you guidance, to steward what you have, his provision is already out in front of you ready to meet your need, ready to get that debt off your back, ready to help you steward things well, okay? It's already in front, and I love that. We just need to take the necessary steps of wisdom mixed with an adequate dose of faith to get to it. This is where stewarding our hearts is in, in this process comes into play. This is a heart issue, we have to steward our hearts. Where's my heart? Where's my treasure? Because what our hearts value, they pursue, right? That's what we just read. When it comes to money, possessions, everyday living, our hearts can get all tangled up in what, where, when, why, how. We can very easily get distracted by the size of the problem and not by the size of the supply of our Creator. He has foresight. That means he sees into the future and knowledge about our future. He has foresight and knowledge about our future. Therefore, if we are keeping in step and in deep relationship, we're going back to that intimacy factor again. We keep jumping back. We've got to have an intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if we're keeping in step and in deep relationship, our first go to should not be worry. Come on, somebody. It should not be worry. He said, do not worry. We're going to get there. Don't worry. It should not be worry, but worship. Okay? It should not be worry, but worship. Replace it. You have to replace the negative with a positive. You have to replace a negative with a positive. And the positive is power. It's not just a psychological thing. Not trying to figure it out by saying, I'm sorry, we're not trying to figure it out. Okay, But we're saying, Father, give me wisdom. Because how many of us lose sleep over trying to figure out a solution to a problem? How many of us don't eat? How many of us walk around with the weight of the world on our shoulders? Come on. Let's be real. He wants to give us the wisdom to walk out the solution without worry, without fear, without doubt. Because he already precedes it. He's in front of it. Right? That gives us confidence. When the air conditioners started to go on the building, Pastor Travis and I are like, okay, we can handle this one of two ways. We could freak out <laughs> and we could start like trying to figure out the numbers and trying to figure out the money and trying to figure out how we were gonna get it and get up here and beg you guys. And 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 that is, that's not how God works. We don't have to beg him to provide. We have to rest in his provision because it's already there. We have to steward our hearts and our thoughts. We have to get ahead in our head and say, okay, God, I know that worry wants to come on me right now, but I'm not going to receive it. I'm going to trust you. Give us the wisdom to walk this out. By Monday morning, one of the air conditioners was fixed that they said needed completely replaced. And by that evening, we just had the feeling and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit that it was going to be taken care of. That's stewardship. We're not worrying. We're not fretting. We're not stressing. We're giving it to God and saying, I know that you're going to provide, and I'm going to walk in obedience to your words. And sometimes that means doing some things we don't want to do. Right? Sometimes we want to keep that extra $20 when that should go into our debt and or however that looks. Travis handles our finances, but he has helped me learn how to be a good steward. And it's been so good. It's been so freeing. And to see the weight off of him, I hated bill time every week. Every time he had to pay the bills, he would come home and I knew he paid the bills that day. The stress and the weight was on him. And God is saying, I want to lift that off of you because my provision is there and if you, even if you don't see it yet, it's coming. Just keep in step with me, okay? So that's why I want to get to this passage, because I, I could just, oh, I could go on. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. I sang this last week. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. That was a little higher than last week. <laughs> Did you catch the title of that section? Don't worry. He knows us. Come on. He, kn- he created us. He knows us. He knows what our go-to is. He's like, Jesus is like, I'm going to just address this now. And this is, this is the son's words from the father to us. God, so good. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided. Come on. Will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at all the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your father than they? So which one of you, by worrying, could add anything to your life? And why would you worry about your clothing? Look at the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil, and yet not even Solomon and all his splendor was robed in beauty more than one of these. So if God has clothed the meadow with hay which is here for a short time and then dried up and burned, won't he provide? Won't he? Come on. Won't he provide for your clothes, the clothes you need, even though you live with such little faith? So then forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Don't, doesn't your heavenly Father already know The things your bodies require. So above all, (laughs) this is it right here, guys. This is it right here. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom. And the righteousness that proceeds from him, then all the less important things will be given to you abundantly. Come on. Did you hear that? Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Seek first his kingdom and all of your the lesser things. He said all of those things that we worry about. I was pregnant with Natalie. We had her and we did not have any money for me to go get new clothes. And when you have a baby, you can't fit back into your normal clothes right away. And literally someone dropped two bags of clothes on my porch that week that I was so concerned that I didn't have anything to wear. I didn't need them. I could have squeezed into what I had. I could have made what I had work. But my father loves me. He loves you. And it's those little things that he's like, let me minister to you. I want to provide for you. I want to take care of you. Trust me. Steward it with me. You're not alone, right? So good. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Ha! Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Mm. God is interested in building his kingdom. That is why he's going to entrust funds to people who are proving to him that they will be good stewards with those funds. Giving when God tells them to give. God knows where our heart is by our treasure, where our treasure is. If your testimony is, my heart is in the kingdom of God, your bank account will either validate or refute that claim. I am not telling you to give to the church. That is not why we're doing this message. It is not so we get a bigger offering. Mm-mm. Nope. So if the enemy's trying to tell you that, that's the church asking for money again, this is not that conversation. What I am saying to you right now is that the heart of God is generosity. We're going to talk about that next week. The heart of God is what all all that I have and all that I am is yours. And what I want you to do, Lord, is teach me how to steward what I have well. So when the Lord tells you to give, give. And I'm not talking to the church. I'm talking, like, to, to the person in front of you in the grocery line. Pay for their groceries. To the one in front of you at Starbucks, or behind you, I guess. Pay for their coffee. To um, your neighbor who needs their grass mowed or needs gas for their car. Or, you know, just always be thinking, his, how would he do this? How would he provide in this situation? How would he function? I'm not going to function with a lack mentality. Okay? We're way over, and I know we've thrown a lot at you. Will you stand with me? Whew. The Lord is teaching me to steward my thoughts. Not just steward you know, the obvious things and storing up treasures in heaven, but stewarding my thought life. To take a step back and say, is my thought lining up with yours? Is this worry (laughs) the way that you want me to function? No, right? Every time, you know the answer is no. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And I love that because You know, we can get so far ahead and trying to figure everything out. And Jesus is saying, will you just take my hand and keep my pace? Come on, he is that close and he is that real. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you everything you need to function in this life, to steward your finances, to steward your household, to steward your schoolwork, to steward whatever you have in front of you. With kingdom power and kingdom effectiveness. Kingdom effectiveness. That is our goal. Is to bring heaven to earth. And heaven is touching earth in New Philadelphia in the lives and hearts of all of you right now and every single day as you walk with Him. Isn't that cool? Isn't that, I mean, that's cool, guys. That's good. Let me just read these questions to you. When a decision arises, whether you are in plenty or in lack, You need to train your heart and your mind to steward with the decision, to steward the decision with these thoughts. Okay, ready? And this is going to be on the podcast, so you can go home, re-listen to it, and write it down. He has already gone before me, so how does he want to provide in this situation? He's already gone before me, so how does he want to provide in this situation? What actions do I need to take to walk in obedience to his heart and examine my heart to walk the path of the kingdom every single time? Don't worry, worship, pray, listen, trust, and make the decision. Practice, walk it out, rinse, and repeat right? This is a lifestyle. Practice trusting his heart. And if you found yourself in a situation, like I said earlier, that is self-made, because sometimes we make bad decisions and we buy things we shouldn't, or we, you know, step into a situation that wasn't the right way to hand, be handled. If you take that situation to Jesus and say, I repent of my heart and what I, how I handled that situation, help me to get your thoughts on this, help me to steward this well and help me to repay this debt. Help me to be responsible to get this in order, right? He wants to do that with us. Isn't that good news? You're not on your own and there's no worry. <laughs> so, Heavenly Father, can you guys put your hands out like this, like open hands up towards heaven? Heavenly Father, Everything we have belongs to you. Mm. Heavenly Father, who we are belongs to you. We are your daughters and your sons. We are your creation. We are blessed abundantly by your love and by your sacrifice of your son on the cross. And we want to steward your kingdom. And we want to see your kingdom touch earth over and over and over again. Give us your wisdom. (laughs) Give us your wisdom. He said, ask for wisdom and it's yours. Ask for it. Give us your wisdom. And how to steward what you have given us or the situations we're walking in to bring heaven to earth. In your name we pray. Amen. I pray abundant blessings flow over you this week in mind, body, and spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a good week, guys.